everybody. Welcome back to the Mandate 456 podcast. <laughs> we have the McAllisters back. My goodness. To be able to rope both of these guys together, Hillary has a full-on amazing, beautiful dance studio yes. for young girls in Oklahoma City. John pretends to be a fireman, a captain, <laughs> and rushes into burning buildings. And uh, they have been friends for many, many, many years. We love, love doing this with you guys. We just love doing life with you guys. Absolutely. Like, my Lord, like we just get to do this. In fact, so just a little off note here for our listeners, our 25-year-old Caleb is like, and I want to do Thanksgiving with the McCall. Yeah, he wants us to plan that next year. So he wants to bring Tatum over. And <laughs> you need to get like Tatum. a single wide trailer on your property so all the blacks can stay in there and we yeah. can turkey ball. <laughs> That's awesome. I'll make this something. Well, I think the reason our family is so drawn to your family is you guys are real and you are honest, and but there's so much peace in your home. And I've I've been in mansions where I couldn't sleep. And I've been in, uh, you know, trailer parks. trailer parks where I'm like, there's something really beautiful here that this is so peaceful. And you guys have this, it is a beautiful home and it is a beautiful property, but the peace in your home is something I think our family craves. And we probably didn't know how much peace we didn't have until we, we felt it That's with good. you guys. And so I think that was what was really interesting, kind of where I want to go next is, so our son, Caleb, that, that you guys love and, and his uh, little girl, Keaton and his new little girl, um, Tatum, is we were with them for a couple days. And, you know, our Caleb is, he's a warrior. He's a big guy. Like you want him on your side. You do not want to oppose him. (laughs) And I'm watching him with this tiny little female and his giggle when she would do things like she's not doing much. Like she just came out of the womb, but like she touched down. She did touch down. That was awesome. We watched, but I was like, that is my little boy. When I heard that giggle, I was like, oh, there's my little boy. He's in there. And he's been so focused on surviving for years. And he's been through he's been through so much trauma. He's had all these different things that he's had to face with his health. And I was just thinking like this little female didn't change him. She's bringing him back to his boyhood innocence mm. and purity. And she's reminding him that he was created for something more than just survival. And I think that's the beauty of little boys is they're not afraid to jump off a cliff. They're not afraid to be adventurous. They're not afraid to run and scream and do all those things. And I think what what is a fear in males, and especially Hillary got the two boys, I raised four boys. It does give you a whole new perspective, right, on, on males is we don't want to take away the little boy wonder. What we want to do is help that little boy grow into maturity and into what God's called him to do. But what do you think, Hillary? What did you find with raising boys was that tug of war? Because you got one, you know, it's kind of all through puberty now. You got one heading towards it, which is really what we see physically. We think like, oh, they're not little boys anymore. They're men, but they're still very much little boys. Have you figured out how to mother all that? Oh, that's a loaded question. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, maybe what I've done so far, I don't know what I'm headed into. And now for only $19.99, you can receive (laughs) an answer. (laughs) That's so horrible. (laughs) Um, Man, that's interesting that you are, that you asked that. And something that I feel like God's really been talking to me about with Boston specifically um, and where he's at. Um, Boston is a 
Um, well, he's precious, um, mm. but he's just got this like lover's heart. Okay. Yeah. And he, um, and I saw it when he was little. So this is funny. So when there was this little girl in his like pre-K class, okay. And we, uh, he had gone to a new school and he would come home and he would cry and say, you know, I don't have any friends. I don't have any friends. And I was like, well, we're going to pray about that. We're going to pray about that. We're going to ask God to bring you a friend. And he comes home one day and he was like, mom, I got a friend. And I was like, amazing. What's your friend's name? And he was like, Darian. And I'm like, awesome. So I'm like thinking this whole time, like, oh, he's got this great buddy. His name's Darian. Like, this is going to be amazing. And I show up to help in the Valentine's party at the pre-K. And I'm standing there by the kitchen and Boston's playing in the kitchen with this little girl. And he is just having the time of his life. And I'm looking and I was like, well, what is she's precious? And I was like, what's your name? And she looked at me with these big eyes and she was like, Darian. And I was like, oh, hi, Darian. It's so nice (laughs) to meet you. Uh, Skew forward about a few months later, we run into Darian and her mom at the mall. And I had never seen my child act the way that he acted. He fell on the floor and was rolling around because he had out of nowhere come into view of Darian. Like he didn't expect it. He didn't like know even what to do with him. Well, fast forward to where he's at now. And he's a teenager. And I'm seeing he, you know, he's had a couple girlfriends and he's had his heart broken. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's all these opinions, you know, one way or the other, as far as these kids and dating, you know, right, some people right. would say they shouldn't be. Some Just parents are acting by. like at 14, they're married to whoever they're dating. And the Lord started just telling me, you know, he, I put this in his heart. You saw it. He is, he loves, like he has this love. And, you know, at like nine, he was telling me the the songs he was going to play at his wedding. And he always says, I can't wait to be a dad. I can't wait to be a father. And I don't know if I'm answering your question, but I think what I've realized is I've, the Lord has like really showed me at an early age, something that he put in him. And so where John and I are now is, okay, this is something we have to foster. We have to walk with him. We have to help him in this gifting and this calling that I really think he's called to be a husband and a, and a father. I think that's the greatest yeah. calling on his life. Now you have Porter on the other end who God's going to meet him on the football field. God's yeah. going to meet Boston in some of these relationships with these girls, because that's where Boston's heart is. Boston's mm. heart is to love a female. Porter's, Porter's heart is to love sports and to love tackling and all of that. And so that's where God's going to meet him. And so I think I just, as far as parenting them and not boxing them in and asking God, where are you going to meet them? Like, what is the thing that you put in their heart? What desire did you put in their heart? And then how do I walk with them in that? That's so good. It's it's exactly what you said, Lisa. You know, we don't want to take the wonder away. We don't want to take the adventure, the what it means to be a little boy is amazing and scary and all the things right and if we can learn to help them themselves learn to steward their heart 
what makes their heart come alive and not always poo poo it, not always shut it down. Not all, you know, that's all I knew as a, as a son is I just wasn't good enough and I was never right. And, and then I, I kind of did that to my kids for a while. And so I love that you're doing that with them. All right. We didn't even talk about this because you jumped right in. So sorry. part three, purpose of a man. Oh, sorry. Got excited. And we're, we're, <laughs> we're hitting this thing. Um, Lisa's writing these devotionals on the app, jointhejourneyman.com, um, just to help men kind of wrap their, their hearts, not their minds around what is the purpose of being a man today? And I just want you to hit that real quick because in every way we're being told not to be men. Yeah. Right. I'm and so I, and I get in that. these conversations with all these boomers or the silent generation and, you know, the hair buns and the, I mean, uh, the, the man buns, they don't like, the they don't buns. like the man buns. Um, you I know, like my dad it. freaks out about the man buns yeah. and the tight <laughs> jeans and the, you know, where are the men, son? You've got to raise up some men. Right. And I, I think I, I look at you guys in the way you parented your two boys, man, that's just, that's amazing Yeah, watching that, Yes, right? And so what is the purpose of a man part three? Well, I believe that men are destiny and wherever the men go is where culture will go. It's where the family will go. It's because men are the, 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 the climax the of this of, whole thing yeah. is men are foundational beings. And that is why Adam was created first, because when you are building a house, you're building a building, a skyscraper, anything, the most important thing and the first thing you do is you build a strong foundation. And the women are what is built upon that. And the children are built upon that. And we are the walls and the windows and the roof and the, and the decoration and the, and the softness. But without the foundation, everything else falls. And I think that's why we are struggling so much as a culture is men are unaware of the fact that they, you know, the, the foundation is laid down. It is poured. It is sometimes silent, sometimes unseen, but the strength in it is what gives culture everything that it needs to thrive. And Hillary and I have talked about this, that, that the United States puts more men in prison than any other country, any other culture. And when we take a man out of his home and put him in a prison, we've not just removed him from his family, we've removed him from culture, we've removed him from, from functioning culture. And we can't fill that any other way. We have to have a man that's foundational. And, you know, we always go back to the scripture in marriage that a lot of people talk about women are supposed to be submissive, but the first part of that scripture is that men are to lay their life down to serve their wives as Christ did for the church, which Christ was bloody, tortured, crucified. He was. He was, and he did that for us. Yeah. And that that's really the calling of a man's life. And I that's why I want to get back to a place of honor and respect for that. And instead of constantly putting men down for what they're not doing, we can speak into existence and tell them who they are and, and what they were created for. And then also celebrate it and let them know how important it is and how vital they are. Our, our, our culture, our cities cannot thrive without men. That's so good. And I, and I love it. Our, our part two of this series, I feel like was more of a mar marriage podcast than, yeah. than not than just for men. But John, you said something really interesting after we uh, ended our last session together and it was off recording. And I really want you just to kind of hit that, that what does marriage mean, mean to a man? And what is that showing him and teaching him? And, and why can't we separate the two? Well, 
it was, it was it was interesting to me. I was thinking about it as we were finishing up, and and it's it. I just love. I first of all, I just love how the Father does this. I love how God. He, he, you know, we talk about, or one thing I hear you say a lot: we we get mercy, but we we have to find grace. Yeah. And one of the things that I have found in my marriage to my wife and in, as, as a man and as a, as a spouse is the grace that I'm finding is I'm finding it right here in the day-to-day, in the not knowing and, and not being sure about something and, and having a, to take a risk or fight for it. And it's interesting to me that we're, we're talking about this, the whole Malachi 4, 5, and 6 of fathers turning to children. But most of us don't know how to be a father. Most of us don't know how to be a, a spouse. Most of us don't know what it means to, to commit ourselves wholly to one person. And it's like mm-hmm. God in, in being the best father, incredible as he is, and, and he's walking us through these stages so that we can begin to understand what it means to fill that mandate. God's not going to, one of the things that I love is I used to think in, in my Christianese thought and when I thought I was the radical guy, cause I'm going to fast and I'm going to pray. I'm going to do what no one else does. You know, all that garbage that right. I used to think um, <laughs> that we all used to think. Yeah. Well, you know, all that stuff's good, but I, I, I was missing the aspect of what God has walked me to this point is I wasn't being fathered. And now that I'm being fathered in it, I know the place of fasting and I can fast. Uh, I know yeah. the place of prayer. I know I'm talking Not to my father. Duty. It's yes, being it's, a father. Yes. Yeah, it's not a job description. It's not a, uh, a degree where I can say, look at this degree I got from Princeton versus right. your degree from a central state school or wherever. It's something in my heart that I've been fathered and I can walk into it because I'm not walking alone anymore. I'm walking with my father. But I had to go through 25 years of, of day to day of struggling, of wrestling, the conflict. You know, Abraham Lincoln, and his, I heard uh, a guy quoting this the other day, and it just, it's still resonating. You know, his second speech, you know, when he was reelected, he talked about how the North and the South both had their Bibles open, and they were reading scriptures as they were going, slaughtering men on the field, young men. And, mm-hmm. you know, Abraham Lincoln's up there, and he's doing this speech in, you know, 600, 700 words, and he makes the statement about God that God, maybe God was in the conflict and not on who was right and wrong. And a lot of times we, we, when we think about being men and spouses and being married and what it looks like, we, we think in terms of right and wrong and God doesn't live in a space, a lamentor space like that. He no. exists outside of creation and time. And it's just when we get in and we we're walking this out, I start to find the grace to be a father. I start to find the grace to be a husband that first learns how to love my wife. And what I love, what I'm seeing him doing in this podcast is it's like, he's, we're wanting to talk about fathers, but he's stepping back and he's letting us paint a picture because no, none of, no, none of these people know who I am. You know, no, no one knows who Hillary is or you guys. I mean, like when it, whoever listens to this, but they can resonate with our story. They yeah. can understand what it's like to come home, like what Lisa, you were saying about Gary coming home from a long day of work. You're, you're, you're spent, you're tired, your kids are going nuts because it's, you know, school's coming or whatever's coming. And, you know, so you have all this, but that's reality. And yeah. so there has to be grace for a man and a woman in that space to be fathered, to walk through this so that we understand what it actually means to turn our hearts to something. Because, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, we can't yeah. do the mandate, 
Well, you can't be a father without knowing how to be a son, <laughs> right? And you can't really disciple somebody unless they have kids because they don't know self-sacrifice. And then what I loved you were saying in that, though, is allowing the father to father you. And I, and I feel like we've never been taught that as men. Like the father can actually father us and we don't need all these mentors and all this discipleship and all this. We do need it. And it's very valid. And that's why we're doing this whole journeyman thing is to bring these thoughts, right? Just so people can start to disciple one another. Mm -hmm. But when we can allow the father to actually come in and expose our hearts and show us things and we'll respond to that, right? I think it's what Paul meant. You know, are you, can you be self-sustainable? Can you, can you be okay when no one's watching. Mm. And I really can't be unless I know the father's fathering me in that moment or in mm. that thing, right? And so the purpose of a man is really, right, to let allow the father to father them no matter presence. what stage of life they're in. Yeah. And as parents and what you guys have done so so well with Boston and Porter is what's Holy Spirit saying? Yeah. You know, trust your heart yeah. and what's Holy Spirit saying, <laughs> not doesn't really matter my opinion right here. I can give you my opinion, but what's what's God saying to you in this moment? I mean, if we if we're talking about fathering, let's go to the only good father, the only <laughs> perfect father, the only true father, you know, and that's that's why God gave Adam the presence, his presence first. As he said, let's start here with me being a father and you being a son and our hearts connecting. And and that has to be first. And it's just not a step that can be, I mean, I don't know anyone that's tried to skip that step and has been effective in culture or effective in their family or effective in their marriage is really what happened to you guys was you had an idea of that, but you guys went much deeper into that. And that's what brought your marriage together. That's what gave you your parenting skills. That's what gave you your communication. That's why you have so much impact on other people as you went first to the heart of the issue, first to the father, to father you. And I, I do want to say that is I, it feels very trendy to me right now to blame your parents for everything. Yeah. Um, and I'm not just frustrated with that because I am the parent of six <laughs> adult children, but I, I, I feel like we need to skip that step a little bit. And instead of trying to figure out why we are the way that we are by looking at our parents, we need to go back to the true source. Yeah. And, and Hillary, I want to ask you a question, but I want to say this first. I'm going to ask you, um, how have you seen the father fathering John as he's become a father and a better husband? And But I, I it was really funny. We were sitting with our youngest daughter. Um, she's really growing up. She's just beautiful and amazing at 30. Um, but she just 29, almost 30 <laughs> in February. She um, she didn't see the perspective of that, how she hurt me because I couldn't say certain things. I couldn't, thought, she wasn't allowing me for a few years to father her. Mm -hmm. And so like a very simple subject came up if she wanted to buy an electric car. And I said, no, you don't. <laughs> I said, it costs you way more than a gas car and there's no electricity to run those cars and they don't make sense, especially in Colorado, but for mankind right now until they perfect it. And she's like, really? I didn't know that. Dad. I had no idea. Thanks she's for like, telling me. What wow. else can you tell yeah, me? Yeah, what else? And I'm like- <laughs> Baby, you know, I couldn't have said that to you two years ago, or you would have been mad at me yeah. that I was trying to fix you or tell you that you were wrong. And she was like, I would never do that. Like <laughs> their perspective, right, is their perspective. But she couldn't believe that I even would say that she wouldn't let me say those things to her. So I literally had her guys invite me at that table. That's true. This was yesterday, the day before. Yeah. 
I said, I, you need to invite me into fathering you again, because I'm not just going to take that place. It's mm -hmm. been too painful. Mm -hmm. And she got tears in her eyes. Yeah, and she, she said, Daddy, I, I invite this. you in to father me. Like, I wow. want to know. Wow. And, wow. Yeah. And that's kind of happening a little bit with all of them in our, our adult children. Right. And I think it's really crucial for sons and daughters to learn how to invite their dads back in their lives mm -hmm. because it, it has been a culture of blaming your parents for everything. Yeah. Um, and I, and I'm not innocent in that. Right. And so, it, so anyway, I just, Hillary, I would love for you to just kind of walk us through where have you seen John and his purpose come alive as he's allowed the father to father him. Ooh. Careful. <laughs> well. Um, man. I think uh, one thing that came to mind is just, I think some in the, in the earlier stages is when we were um, really just like kind of grinding out our opposite personalities, the opposite things that the Lord was doing in us. And there was just places that he was just so broken that were just, they were hurting. Um, he was asking John to wait, to not take the limelight. But at the same time, he was asking me, okay, now go and get on these stages and have yeah. this platform. Yeah. And it was the opposite of what both of us thought our lives would look like. Yeah. And that there was pain in that. And it was hard because I wanted to speak into that for him. But it's like, I also couldn't deny what God was asking me to do. But then my speaking into that was hurting him. And so I kind of just had to throw my hands up and be like, Lord, you're going to have to take care of this because I'm hurting him. But I'm also trying to be obedient. This feels like a disaster. Like, I don't even know what's happening. And in that process, I saw the father, father John's heart. Mm. And, and in that, I knew I was like, oh, I don't have to nag him. I don't have to, like, I can just trust the Lord with him. And um, he's going to father him. And I saw John slow down. I saw his feelings get validated by God. I saw him actually step into a lot of who he was created to be because he wasn't fighting him anymore. He was partnering with him. Um, and in that, I saw John, I mean, he just turns his heart to our boys. And even, even in the mess ups, it's like the most beautiful thing for me to witness because my dad wasn't really one that came and apologized. Mm. And, and, you know, John before has come to me and he's like, I, I had, you know, I had to apologize again. This is like, why do I keep messing up? And I'm like, but so much of the healing is happening in the fact that you apologize. Absolutely. Like I never, I didn't get that a lot of the time I did at the end of my dad's life, but I was like, that is so beautiful that you are sitting with them face to face and that you are. And that's because John sat with the father face to face and shared his hurts and, and just let the father father those hurt places that now he can do that for our boys. He can father those hurt places and he can hear where he messes up and ask for forgiveness. Like, it's so beautiful. It is beautiful. That's really scary uh, for most men. Yeah. Yes. Like we don't like to be quiet. Like I even find myself when I'm feeling insecure, 
uh, you know, I'll find myself flipping through Instagram or Facebook or uh, 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 and I'm just, and then I sit for a few minutes and I get nervous. And so I go back to it. Right. And, and I'm like, and God's like going, would you stop? I'm trying to father you right now. But for most men, John, wouldn't you say that's a very vulnerable, scary place for men to go? Yeah, I, <clears throat> you know, it's, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, I was years into it, um, I, you know, I was praying and, and thinking about the wilderness and how everybody hates the wilderness, and I'm like, you know, the wilderness is the most, it's, it's, it's the greatest, hardest place because I, I was experiencing the father. What is that? What is, what do I mean when I say I experience the father? Like I would have these moments where I would be so frustrated and she's on stage and where I couldn't even show up to an event because it, it had nothing to do with her. It was this image that I had created um, for such a long time of where I thought in, in some of it was valid, you know, some of the things mm -hmm. I felt God had told me, uh, some of the things that I wanted, you know, because I, I, I am a strong believer uh, that we trust the wants of our heart. And so when you're sitting and you're seeing what you want, but you're not a part of it, um, you're, it, 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 it wrecks, you know, it, it, move, it messes with your heart. So what it looked like for me is, is sitting with John Smelter and having to say out loud, it, like all I can feel is my arrogance, how I want to be on stage, how I want to do this. And again, to have him sit there and listen to me and say, it's okay. It's okay to say that to God. It's okay to say what you want to, to your father. And, and then to trust that in the wilderness, he doesn't necessarily respond maybe for a month, a year or two years or five years. And, but then at the same time, I'd have moments where I would feel like, feel like I'm being looked at by the the creator. I don't know how to describe that, but it was, it's, it's a weird, um, like, I don't, I, I'm to the point now where I almost don't trust when people don't walk through a wilderness. I, if they haven't had a time to just sit and get fathered, um, it's not that I don't trust them. I just, I, what I do trust is that they're not ready yet. It's because yeah. the father hasn't had his chance to just really love them and, 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 yeah. And let them struggle with idolized image and and what they thought versus what is actually happening and and see how that parable of our life is playing out and before God who loves us and is really cherishing me in this moment while loving my wife and not asking her to get off the stage for me or to stop being herself for me and it's okay seeing me and having and we had conflict in that like I hurt her so much not showing up. But it was so painful for years that I was causing more damage. One of the things that I had to see is the damage that I was inflicting on my spouse, on Hillary, because I was so hurt. I was, you know, and it, it's obviously I can't do justice with it in, in, in just a few minutes, but he loved and fathered her and allowed her to stay in it and loved and fathered me and removed me from it mm -hmm. and over the course of 10, 12 years of us coming together and sitting and listening and listening to where finally I had to accept this, this condition, this, this situation the Lord had put me oh. in. Because you weren't necessarily conscious of it at first, were you? You were just like, oh, right? oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not conscious so of then, it at first. 
when you allow yourself to be father, I have two quick thoughts on that. I think it's interesting that most of us, because the way we've been raised in a religious church, right, the Genesis 3, all, you know, all the stuff, is wilderness is a place of discipline and God just trying to fix you because it's got to be hard instead of a place of abundance and being fathered and listening and slowing down. And, and I love you said this on our prayer call the other day, John, it, you like to call it wilderness instead of desert because you like to picture the trees and the mountains and all the things that come with wilderness, right? Which I love. That's the sage <laughs> coming alive, right? Um, but if we don't, in our wilderness desert times, find the father and allow him to father us, I don't care men or women, mm -hmm. and we just get through it, we just, you know, pain is what's... Pain is the greatest teacher. Pain is weakness leaving the body. Pain is weakness leaving the body, right? As my dad's mantra still is, right? As a cowboy. And <laughs> and but so we're just going to trudge through. And instead, God's going, I have you here mm -hmm. to just father you and love you really well. And oh, by the way, if you don't let me, I'm going to bring you back here because <laughs> I'm so determined to love you well, right? And mm -hmm. that's what a good father does. And, and that, that's powerful, really powerful. <clears throat> yeah, it's, uh, you know, it, it's just interesting, you know, and it, it what it, what it's produced now in me is is when I when I feel rushed or when I feel something is 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 happening in our family, our boys. You know, Hillary brought up Boston, our oldest, and in the and the, the way he loves and the way he finds things. Um, it's taught us now to, to to immediately see where the father is moving it in their lives, and to say, "Ooh, that's that's the father." And if they're not aware of that, that's okay. We'd say, "Hey, look at the." Look at how we think this is the father, how we know this is the father, because I see this fruit, I see this fruit, I see what it's doing and what it's challenging you in. And then he gets the next couple of years to wrestle with that thought and not give me, because I, I can't give him answers. I can just tell him, I see, I know how to recognize the father and I can see the father doing that. So now I get out of the way after showing you that and let you figure this out. Um, it's, it's incredible. And you know what Lisa was saying yeah. about foundational things, you know, the, the, what is a foundation but to be built upon? You know, Paul said it really well, Christ is the foundation and I build on top of that. Well, I mean, Paul's way down there and we're still building on this foundation of Christ. And if men are foundational, then the whole po point is to support those around us, is to let them build up on top of us, whatever they're building. And it's, it's, okay, a, it, I, I want to speak to that because Hillary said something. We've got about five minutes left, guys. Um, Hillary, you said that you just had to step back and let the father do it. You couldn't fix him. You couldn't fix the situation. Walk us through that a little bit. How did, how, what, where'd the strength come from to be able just to kind of let go and let God, for lack of, I don't know term. if there was like, uh, if there was a lot of strength in it, there was a lot of tears in it. Um, there was a lot of fear. There was shame. I mean, I'm just being real. There was shame of like, wow, like I'm hurting my husband and I'm like, Hey, I'll see you later. I'm going to go to this event. I'm going to pour my time into this thing. And you're, you're crushed. But then there was, there was anger. There was sadness that I was like this thing that I'm doing. And the one person I want to share it with can't be here. So like, that was hard, you guys. That was really, really hard. The one person I wanted to, you know, but that's where also the father was like, but I see you. So I'm also gonna father you in this because I'm showing up to every event 
and I'm saying, I see you. And, and I think I needed that too. And, and in mm. some senses, I needed to know that I could do those things without him. Now, yeah. in hindsight, at the time I didn't, but now I'm like, oh, you are building my confidence mm. that I didn't, like, I can do this because now I have the strength to stand next to him. Yes. And I, I have the strength to, to speak up. And I have, like, again, it's that whole thing. I mean, our whole marriage has been this tension of the Lord saying, nope, nope, you're not going to hide. You're not going to hide, Hillary. And John, like, you're going to be, know that your love and your value is, is not based on your works and all of these things. Like, it was just everything he was doing with us was just opposing. Mm-hmm. And so there was moments where it was very difficult, but I tried at moments to speak into it and it was just made it worse. And so I just kind of was like, I don't know what to do. And it's also because we had someone speaking into our lives, we, I had to learn to accept this part of John. I had to so, learn to accept it and I couldn't change it. And he had to learn to accept this in me and he couldn't change it. Yeah. And if we could grab hold of that. No, so I know level. Hillary's the one that really taught me that yeah. is she said to me a couple of years ago that if you're, if, if God is not changing this in your husband, it's not your job to. And I was like, oh, that sounds so hard. Like, because yeah, and we're not talking do. about abuse. Right. No, a hundred percent. No, you know, but somebody's going to be like, well, yeah. Or, yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's why that word submissive has been so misused is because, and that's why women have become so angry. And that is those verses have been manipulated to tell women, like you are a doormat. You don't have an opinion. You don't have your own dreams. You are only here to serve. And we were created for more than that. And when you said that to me, though, I knew, I knew your heart, I knew you were coming from is I cannot fight this on a level of what I think I need as a wife or my kids need in their father. I have to, I have to submit to what the father is doing in my husband and trust that relationship. And I mean, they have to do that with us too. Mm -hmm. There's things that they're really frustrated with, with us and they would love to change in us. And, you know, you have to, it does go back to humility is we have to stay in the space of humility that I don't have all the answers. And sometimes I am wrong. And I do have to say, I'm sorry. And Gary was a little frustrated with me with the, some of the things I said over the weekend. And I was like, I want to keep telling my kids, I'm sorry, and let them know I see it. And I'm trying to do better. And I'm probably still going to mess up sometimes. But my heart is to tell you that I see you. I know where I've damaged you and my, my mothering. And I do think it is so much more effective to humble yourself than to act like it didn't happen because that leaves everybody just open-ended for for pain and wounding so true oh guys this is so good so you know what's fun and john you pointed this out this is we're we're mandate four five six malachi four five and six god's turning the hearts of the children to the parents or the parents to the children children back to the parents and this was the fourth fifth and sixth episode this series uh Mm -hmm. of the new podcast and I just feel like there's something really special in yeah. it. So, babe, you you wrote these devotionals. You've written out so much on this. Some of this is in your new book coming out. Obviously, just how you learn and how you allow the Father to Father you to really love men well. You've loved me so well. So today's was your last, or yesterday was your last post on the on the 
be the purpose of a man. Yeah. Just kind of wrap that up for us. I mean, it's it really is um, enjoying the beauty of the the difference in our genders and realizing that we are supposed to be different. We do have a different perspective, but we need each other's perspective. We need each other. Like John said, iron sharpens iron. We can, our goal is to make each other better though, instead of keep putting each other down or controlling each other or trying to change things that we can't change is just really, I, I, what I've said to my kids as they've gotten older is if you can just think the best of me and I can think the best of you, we can move forward. Yeah. And if I can, if I can step back from my own selfish views and see the world from your perspective, then I can have more compassion for you. And I know how to serve you even more in who you are. And it's just really as simple as us not listening to all the noise around us right now and going back to the very basics of the foundation of what God created us to do. Yeah. And, I'll, and I want to say to you older guys, you know, the conversation I had with all my kids this past week, we got to see all our older kids um, is let's stop focusing on what wasn't good and let's just start focusing on what is yeah. and how do we build from here. Yeah. And I want to encourage you as young people, quit focusing on what your parents did wrong, parents. Quit focusing on what your kids are doing wrong or how they didn't or if they're gay or this or whatever and focus on where's life and how do we build from this. So guys, go read all this. You can watch the video of the beautiful McAllisters and put up with Lisa and I on <laughs> uh, patreon.com slash Black. Uh, we're, we're posting these all over Spotify and Apple and SoundCloud uh, for the uh, for the podcast. And so thank you, McAllister's, once again. So happy we're doing this together. We're just going to keep going and going and going like the energy bunny in Jesus name. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Talk you. to you. See ya.